0: All right. broke the rules. No, I, I really don't feel like I actually broke the rules. I did not have the headphones on. And if you don't have the headphones, it's sort of like... It's not really we baseball no until... talking
1: until we hit record. We, we both collectively broke
0: the rules. Okay, we, we talked, but we, we were not monitoring ourselves via headphone. Or headphones. It probably should be via headphone. Even though there are multiple...
1: Now, what's, what's the rule there? I'm not saying it's
0: not a mistake. I'm saying it's a technicality.
1: How are your levels?
0: Oh, my levels are great. Best they've ever been.
1: <laughs> That's what you said last time.
0: Well, the levels are even better.
1: Now you're insulting me. Oh crap! My
0: Bible. No, they're even more better. I mean, what's worse? Forgetting to hit recorder, forgetting your Bible in the other room. I'd say it's the latter. it's it's just it's just a comment i've
1: just been reproofed reproofed yep
0: reproofed strongholds reproofed help help i'm
1: being reproofed
0: Oh, wait, since you're older than 37, does that mean that you're old? Because if you recall in that particular scene of Monty Python on the Holy Grail, the claim was <laughs> yeah. that one was not old yes. as a 37-year-old.
1: Excuse me, old
0: woman. Man. So sorry. I'm 37. <laughs> I object to your immediately treating me like an inferior. I am your king. I didn't vote for you. So, um, Monty Python references, scenes, regalings of lines aside, this is Deuterocanon's A Monumental Episode 30. I'm Justin, and with me always is Byron. Party on, Byron.
1: Party on, Justin.
0: Thank you for the uh, extended pronunciation Just of the to, to break implied comma.
1: Just breaking it up a little bit. <clears throat>
0: We're on various platforms, so if you're listening to this, you are already involved in one of those platforms, platforms like Audible, platforms like, I would say Podbean, we've said that before, but I don't, can you actually listen to stuff on Podbean? You can. Really? Yep. I tried, I guess I did it wrongly. Yep. <laughs> Is that reproof? <laughs> yep, I to you. Shoot. Okay, so, uh, and Audible. And Last Audible. but certainly not least, yep. Audible. <clears throat> I do enjoy the uh, frequent audible audiobook. Uh it's funny
1: that you mentioned that. Hold on. I just want to make sure I'm I'm setting this for an hour. That's is yeah, that what we're doing now. Yeah,
0: yeah, we're we're doing that now. At least until our lives become a little bit less crazy, which might mean never. Right.
1: There we go. Yeah, so speaking of Audible, you know, the kids they in in CC they're reading all the classics and this is like I've talked about this before. I feel like I'm so behind because if I had used my time more wisely as a kid, which, you know, this isn't all my fault. I didn't know. Um, I would have read some of these books, and now I'm trying to read them all now. But I am but I don't have time for that. So I listened to Call of the Wild this past week. And I've, oh, good job. And I've, I'm like three hours into uh, Johnny Tremaine.
0: <laughs> oh, Johnny That's a good one. It's great. And there's also a uh, cinematic, cinematic version of it. Is there? From the 60s. It's got the... It's got one of the brothers from Swiss Family Robinson in it. Okay. you know, And the kid from the sh- Shaggy Dog.
1: I assume there has to, would have to be a movie uh, on that one. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's it's one of those old Disney movies that's really remarkably wholesome.
1: I also, I mean, they've just recently released that Call of the Wild. I mean, it's it's like DGI or whatever, but <laughs> I'm wondering how... I mean, because the book is pretty gory, you know? Yeah. So, I don't want to give anything away, but I'm just wondering how much killing there actually is in the movie probably not as much i was
0: thinking for a second that i've read call of the wild but i read white fang so i haven't read that one but um did jack london write anything else i don't know i don't either yeah he wrote those two though what's the one there's another one i read
1: it's the one about it's about a sled dog the one where the guy does the race uh is that white fang
0: i think i think that might be white fang yeah
1: What's that big, long race they do up in Alaska? The Iditarod. Yeah. I think that might be the one. They should have it, called it the Idita Race. <laughs> well, maybe I have read that one or had it read in a class, but uh, anyway. Yeah.
0: So, again, this is episode 30 of Deutero Canons, and the title for tonight is Strongholds. We're mostly going to be taking a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Lately, Byron has mentioned that... Byron, you've mentioned that you've had a whole lot on your mind, n- no shortage of topics, and I've definitely felt the same way. I've also got halvesy episodes that, that are just sort of hanging out, you know, a part one where a part two has been contemplated, mm-hmm. and I need to go back and, and figure some of those things out and take some notes and all that, <clears throat> and th- there were a couple of things that I, I really wanted to do tonight. One of them would be a continuation of the sermon from Sunday. Mm-hmm. And the title would have been something along the lines of The Cult of Science. Yeah. So maybe we'll come back to that. So I I was all geared up to do that. And then this morning, you know, I was thinking and and praying some. And my mind kept on going to this scripture in 2 Corinthians 10, which does in fact kind of go along with some of the things that I've been thinking about kind of topically. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes it's good to kind of go more expositorily mm-hmm. if you will and just kind of dig into the scripture itself, even though there's lots of lots of topics that we could dig into that are I think very pertinent these days. So uh first Corinthians ten. First? Second. I'm sorry, second Corinthians ten. Is that more of a proof? Huh? No. It's proofreading. It's I, it's like audio proofreading. I would never do that. Yes, At Lord. least I didn't say 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians? Yeah. Mm. Of course these letters are 2 Corinthians. That both
1: of them. That would be very like English of you if you did though. Like you could almost make it a thing,
0: you know. Like, like British? Yeah, like
1: British. Like okay. we would we would say, you know, third battalion, but they'll say three battalion. Really? Yeah.
0: What's with them? <laughs> like where do they where do they get off? Like they would all be, you know, Goose-stepping. They're speaking the and, king's English. And driving Volkswagen Beetles if it weren't for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there's really nothing else to say. I mean, that's pretty well self-evident at this point. Yeah. <clears throat> no, but I I do like the Brits. If nothing else, I like to hear them talk. Yeah. Most of them.
1: I, so I mean, and, and, you know, they could be saying the most ridiculous thing, but you'll feel good about it. Because there's something about being... Something about having something like brief to you in an English accent.
0: You're like, this is gonna go well. I, I think what it does is that if you're actually in for those of you keeping score at home, that sound of paper falling out of my Bible was in fact a piece of paper falling out of my Bible, specifically a green construction paper heart, I think with some it some sort of glitter. It wasn't even on aud- it.
1: it wasn't even audible.
0: You couldn't even hear it. I heard it. I also felt it. Anyway, I th- I thought that, that that needed to be accounted for. <laughs> okay, we can fix that in post production. We can take we no, can just send that to the no, to the guys in the Foley room nope, stop and they making, can add No.
1: Stop making more wor- room work for me. Guys in the what room? I'm the guy.
0: The, the the Foley room, you know the Foley artist. That's where they put Foley catheters in you? No, no, no. No, the Foley artist is the person who goes back over top of the film and inserts the Proper or necessary Sounds. sound effects. Oh, like you
1: want me in the other? Like speaking of
0: speaking of <laughs> uh,
1: uh, Monty Python, I'm, I'm like that's a uh,
0: that's not a horse. You just got two empty halves of coconut and you're banging them together. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Fully room. Okay. Cool. So we're gonna go to Second Corinthians. I said I did say Second. Yep. Second Corinthians, chapter ten, and um. <clears throat> Let's read the first six verses. All right. How about, Me, how about you do it? Right. Read the first six verses.
1: <clears throat> by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid, that's in quotes in mine, timid when face to face with you, but bold, quote unquote, toward you when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to, expect to be towards some of you who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Um, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete.
0: All right, so like I said, that that particular well, two of those verses, uh, really the last, I'd say, uh, three, four, and five, yeah, verses three, four, and five have have been in my head, I would say, nearly on a daily basis, uh, the last the last couple of weeks, and so I, I looked that up, wanting to re- read those in uh, fuller context. Now, a little bit of the context of Second Corinthians is that you know we know. Paul was carrying on correspondence with the Corinthians. It's it's thought that there's a third letter to the Corinthians. Yep. Uh, I think you know that's referred to that we don't have. I think that maybe maybe you can remember this. Maybe the true First Corinthians we don't have. I think it's I think or is it's, it one it's that's the in letter, the middle?
1: It, yeah, it's one between first and second. Okay. Yeah. All so right. I think technically Second <clears throat> Corinthians is Third Corinthians. Yeah. Is what I've read in the past. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I that that jives with what I. What I remember For those of you Keeping score at home Feel free to heck, yeah. to Fact check that <laughs> Who facts, fact checks The fact checkers I don't know They're infallible They are That's not religious At all is it Mm-mm. Follow science Amen Okay Man I You tempt me <laughs> <laughs> So I, I really like how in, in your Bible it has those quotation marks Yeah. because that was something that I, I sort of came to or suspected, I guess, before I had actually researched it or seen it in, in other versions where it's actually given mm-hmm. as uh, reported speech, kind of like what we we've done before the bit about everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. I remember when I heard that in high school, I thought that Paul really meant that everything is permissible. Yeah. And, of course, he was saying, well, you know, you, you still shouldn't do everything, but I still thought that, you know, and, and I court, I sort of um, conflated that with, we're not under law, but we're under grace, therefore all is permissible, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's, my brain wasn't fully developed. I mean, I was a teenager, what did I know? Yeah. So, um, it, but it's really interesting that, that you do have it in quotation marks there, well, so.
1: Well, you know, it, what that reads like when I see that is, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, <clears throat> It's as though he's being accused of being, like, a telephone tough guy, you know? Sure. Or, or like, what we see on the internet now where people get on there and they act all tough, but if you approach them on it, like, oh, hey, man, ho, oh, hey, that's not what I mm-hmm. meant, you know? Like, it makes me wonder if that's if that's what he's being accused of and or, like, we've talked before about the difficulties of communication in general, particularly written communication mm-hmm. and how people can read into something uh like, they can read a tone or an emotion into something that you had no intention of being there, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, that, I don't know. Just right off the bat, that first verse is interesting.
0: You know, outside of the obvious things that you might say that Paul was addressing in all of his letters, it seems like one thing that he comes back to in almost every single letter is that he's been misunderstood. Yeah. And the gospel has been misunderstood. Yeah. And it's it's just a matter of, okay, what's the particular misunderstanding in this church at this time? Right. So here, it's it really does have to do with I guess you could say the the character of Paul, and, and we know from from Acts and also from the letters that there were there were essentially like agents infiltrating the church, yeah. trying to turn them back to a more Pharisaical um, interpretation of the scriptures, mm-hmm. trying to to draw them away from faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that seems to be what's going on in second Corinthians. He even talks at different points about somebody needing to be, uh, like restored, you know, that had fallen into sin and, and things like that. And the, just the, the, the necessity for, for forgiveness. But in the context of the whole thing, it seems like, you know, Paul has been wronged. Mm -hmm. And so he's telling them to forgive and he's saying, well, if you forgive anyone, I forgive that person too. Yeah. And that, that just kind of goes with the whole idea of there's a lot of misunderstanding yeah. going on. This is also where we get the, the verses about, um, and this is early on in the letter, uh, talking about not giving Satan a foothold. Yeah. And the way that Satan does get a foothold is through unforgiveness.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah, specifically like holding grudges. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a little bit of the, the context of, I guess you could say, Paul's ministry, but also this mm-hmm. letter in particular. And so, as the title of, of tonight indicates, let's look at strongholds. So, I, I've i been particularly inter- interested in that word, <clears throat> and so I looked it up, you know, in the good old concordance. Mm-hmm. So, the Greek word is, or comes from oxyroma. O-X-Y-R-O-M-A, like oxy, mm-hmm. and then roma. Hmm. I don't think it has anything to do with Oxygen, or the worst tomatoes, <laughs> but it's it, th- that's what it looks like. Oxyroma. <clears throat> so here's here's what it says. It's from uh, the Greek word oxerou, which means fortify. So an oxyroma was a fortified military stronghold, a strong walled fortress, and uh, the word is only used in the New Testament in Second Corinthians ten four, hmm. and it may be an allusion. To the rock fortresses on the coast of Paul's native Cilicia, mm-hmm. which were pulled down by the Romans in their attacks on Cilician pirates. Uh, the general Pompey inflicted crushing defeat upon their navy off the rock strongholds um, <clears throat> around uh, Coracesium and Cilicia and Pisidia. Okay. Any of those places ring a bell?
1: mm Oh, Cilicia, I guess I've heard yeah. that one before. Well,
0: so yeah, it's it's all around. Yeah, Cilicia it's
1: in the Decapolis. <coughs>
0: yeah. So it, yeah, it's only used in the New Testament in Second Corinthians ten four, and here it's used figuratively. And I'll I'll get into <laughs> what it's used figuratively. To well, you know what I think I'll, I'll go ahead and, and get into that part because that'll bring me up to a question that I have for you. So here it's obviously not used literally. He's not talking about storming Roman garrisons. Mm-hmm. At least it doesn't seem to be. It's used figuratively of a false argument in which one seeks, quote, shelter to escape reality. Mm. The word can al- is also used or was used in antiquity as uh, prison. Hmm. I mean you 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 could see the the connection between a, a fortress and oh, a prison.
1: yeah, for sure. I mean that's the thing is like when when you go places and you're kind of defi- confined to a defensive perimeter I mean shoot like it keeps people out but you're also some, you know you're you're confined to it, you know, you mm-hmm. can't you can't leave at your leisure mm-hmm. because the place outside the fort is not safe. And so uh you know I mean, when we go on deployments, there are folks who stay in the same, you know, I don't know, five by five square acre area for six months straight. Like You could easily go nuts doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it can be very much like prison. I could see that.
0: Yeah. So can you give us any other insight about about the significance of strongholds, for, uh, which you sort of already have, but I guess, well, maybe, maybe you have fully answered this, but I it seems like you, you might have further insight into this than I would because, mm-hmm. like you, I usually think of a stronghold as being a positive thing, yeah. and yet here in I can tell you why it's not. Sure. Yeah, in Second Corinthians ten, it's 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 not a positive thing. Well,
1: I'll do what I've done in the past, where I'll just generally give you my opinion of strongholds, as you yeah, say, yeah, and hopefully you can pull out what you're looking for. Um, <clears throat> so the United States military has a has a tendency to go places and uh like we are not really a very mobile force outside of a, a true like invasion but once the stability operations start what we do is we immediately create these i like to call them sand castles because you ever seen the hesco barriers we use it's literally like you're building a sand castle you know mm-hmm. and so we create these defensive perimeters and tie ourselves down to them and the thing with having a defensive perimeter is now that you have a defensive perimeter you you have to maintain it which means you have to give up troops to maintain that perimeter which means you limit the number of people you can take places because you always have to leave somebody back to maintain the defensive perimeter. And then like we said, um, you're, you're in this defensive perimeter. It gives you the illusion of safety, but in many cases you may not be all that safe, you know, particularly in a place like Afghanistan where you have a tendency to put them at the bottom of valleys. <laughs> <laughs> but then the other thing is because you're kind of uh, you get comfortable that's that's part of the problem, right? So you're far less mobile. You get comfortable. You have less situational awareness of the of the environment around you because you're you're in this defensive perimeter, you're in this this uh you know the this sandcastle, this stronghold, and uh, yeah, and there's and then there's a lot that goes into, uh, you know, is that enough? I feel like the other thing yeah you can say yeah yeah, yeah I think maybe. so.
0: So maybe now you can. So that's more on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Well, what about on the, the the offensive end mm-hmm. so because he talks here about uh, ca- uh, pulling down yeah strongholds and and again that that possibly being an allusion to what general Pompey actually did okay. to some of those uh, pirate fortresses uh, can, can you tell us about that at all?
1: so when we talk about like defenses, no defense you know like you, you talk about um the Maginot Line or the, mm-hmm. uh, um, my goodness, well the the, the Nazis' seawall, the seawall, right? Yeah, but what was it actually called? It was Fortress called, Europe. Yeah, no, n- no, no defense is impenetrable, right? So a lot of times when you set up a defensive plan, in fact, hmm, man, this might be somewhere we don't want to tread. But like even when you look at the situation on our southern border, a lot of people get wrapped around the axle about this idea of of building a wall, like. And, and they'll say, well, the wall's not going to work. Your defen- your defenses are a comprehensive plan. You do have to have obstacles, right? But then there's elements of that where there's there's surveillance both in uh, people pulling guard, like literal humans, but then also the technology that can pull guard. Um, but then, like, part of your obstacle plan will be something like, like, you might have a wall, right, which is there to, to slow people getting in, and we'll see things like concertina wire, which is, in some instances, meant to keep people out or or channelize them into other areas where you have like key weapon systems set up, mm-hmm. right? But at the end of the day, all these things are penetrable. They really are only going to slow down a determined enemy. But but it's not as though people can't get to you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and then of course there's always the when you put yourself in this this uh, stronghold, like and, and uh, isolate yourself. It's very easy for you to be cut off and and now they just have to wait you out, you know, and so uh I, again, I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but no defense is is impenetrable, and so it's just a matter of somebody finding the weaknesses and exploiting them
0: okay, so speaking of finding weaknesses and exploiting them, I don't know, can you tell us about i mean about that mm-hmm. so so let's say you know you are leaving your own stronghold yeah you're you're going on a on a mission not simply to patrol. For bad guys, or not simply to you know set up a checkpoint, which itself is you know sort of a it's related to a stronghold at least it's mm-hmm. it's like a i guess like a gate yeah you know right. in in a sense or channeling people in into a particular particular location just to see what they do, yeah you know it's kind of a surveillance thing mm-hmm. also but when but when they actually like if you were going after some bad guys mm-hmm. who were holed up in their own fortress yeah like what's what do you have to say about that situation? So like how we would go about that operation. I mean, how you might go, and, and I know that it would be different. Mm-hmm. You know, there, a thousand or ten thousand different, yeah. different ways. But but what are some basic, okay, so like yeah. so some rudiments of attacking a stronghold? Right. So um, so our military practice combined
1: arms warfare. So it's it's a combination of you know, ground and air forces working in concert with one another. So, you know, you, you always want to do, I guess I'll say, like, you want to do the, 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 the easiest thing first, right? So if we can strike it with an aircraft, then maybe we just do that, right? Mm-hmm. But if we're going to send people in, we're still going to employ uh, different echelons of fire before we even get people up to this stronghold. So we might be uh, dropping bombs or, or shooting artillery at it or using mortars, and, and those all have uh, varying ranges mm-hmm. right and so as the assault force gets closer we'll start shutting those off um because they have minimum safe distances and so that's so that's that's one aspect of it we're going to use indirect fires and or what we say close air support to start beating that target up before we even get people anywhere near it and then generally speaking the assault will be composed of basically two to three forces we'll usually have a security element that goes out to Isolate the objective to keep reinforcements from arriving. You're going to have a support element, which we call like a support by fire. So that's suppressing the target with direct fire weapons, machine guns, and things like that. Again, and that's just another level of them chewing up this target. And then you're going to have your assault element. And then the assault element, again, there's different ways that this could happen. Uh, If you're moving up in, let's say, like a wooded environment, we're going to find a route that's as concealed as possible, as close to the objective as possible, covered in concealed route as close to the objective as possible, so we can get up there and get within close proximity of it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's another, I guess, principle. Um, So once you get within close proximity, again, you're using those support elements as long as you possibly can before you have to shut them off and now you're on your own. And, and the next thing that will have to happen is you'll have to reduce obstacles. And so these are things that we would have done beforehand. Probably I should say this, right? The principle, one of the principles would be reconnaissance. We're going to do a reconnaissance of this objective beforehand. We're going to reduce those obstacles. So if it's concertina wire, we might cut it, or we might use Bangalore torpedoes and all that other stuff. Uh, if it's, you know, fence, fencing and stuff like that, same thing. We might cut it with a saw. Um, if there's walls, we might be able to breach them with explosives, or you might just have to go over them, right? And, uh... Either way, like it is a very methodical thing where um we're reaching out as far as we can with with weapon systems for as long as we can until the very last thing we do is we put people onto that objective i don't know is that does that make sense
0: yeah, so that's not something that people arrive at basic training knowing how to do absolutely not like this is a a very coordinated professional mm-hmm. thing, yep, yes, for sure. And it would have been that way back then as well. Yeah, absolutely. That, that This wasn't something that the average people did. Right. I mean, there's probably a little bit more complexity
1: now because obviously... Sure. Uh, like we're going to have, um, like I said, like those we, we call them phase lines. So there's going to be different phase lines when, when the assault force uh, crosses them. Again, we're turning off the air, turning off the indirect, right? We'll have direct fire control measures where when the assault force gets to this point, this the support elements going to shift their fires, right? And then at some point they're they're stop they stop shooting completely. And then to, down to the point where every time you take a building or as you move along the trench line or or whatever the objective is, there's different ways of marking what's already clear so that all the other people know all, all these supporting elements know the frontline trace of the support support element because at the end of the day, like like you said it's very methodical and planned out um their standardized communications we'll use what we call op skeds where there's just pro words you don't even, you don't even have to send traffic you just say a certain word and they know where you are in that phase of the operation cuz okay. we, we've planned it that detailed right so hmm.
0: yeah well so th- yeah so the, the the point of all that again is that that's a very detailed thing mm-hmm. it takes training it's not something that a person just does automatically like like you don't You don't start the day as a lowly middle school language arts teacher and then, you know, finish the day. I mean, I guess unless some, you know, some poor cat's in the National Guard or something. Right. But that's, again, there would have to be training. Yes. Okay. So it takes planning, it takes training, it takes practice. Absolutely. I mean, isn't isn't that like when you talk about going out into the field, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, you know, when you're not on deployment. Yep. It's stuff like that.
1: Well, and, and the thing about that, I mean, we call them rehearsals. So if uh-huh. you're doing, uh, if you're doing a raid, like the doctrinal definition of a raid, if I can rattle off the best I can, is it's a uh, attack on a fixed location with a plan withdrawal, right? So okay. we're not we're not attacking this target intending to seize ground. Like we're planning to go, take care of business and leave. Okay. Uh, but either way, even an attack would have this. But we'll do rehearsals. And so if you think of something like, if you're familiar with the Sante raid in Vietnam. They set up a mock-up of that that compound and they rehearsed it over and over and over again. And after they had the way it would go, if it went right down, they would rehearse it with different, well, shoot, the Bin Laden raid, same thing. If you read <clears throat> some of the books on that or read some of the after action reviews, same thing. That's how we've, we've done, the, done it like this for, for years. We, If we can, we make a mock-up of the objective and we will do rehearsals where we rehearse everything if it goes right. And then you start rehearsing it with the contingencies that you've thought of, Um and if you can't do that, we'll do what we call a rock drill. That's rehearsal of concept. So it might be where we just make a what we call a terrain model, where we put almost like a let's say we're gonna assault a village. We'll put shoe boxes and things down to make replicate the little village, and we talk through using you know, uh, whatever a piece representing your unit at this point in the operation. I will be here, and you'll be doing this, right? And so, yeah, like we rehearse these things. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so that said, I want to read this passage again. Okay. I'll read it. Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent, am bold toward you. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Mm-hmm. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Okay, so I just want to ask you after, you know, I've sort of kind of prodded a little bit to to mm-hmm. get all that into your mind. Yeah. What's your take on those, you know, those six verses in the context that we've been talking?
1: Um <clears throat> I kind of feel like he's saying the things that we we've talked about before where um and maybe to your point like the type of warfare that we're going to be waging is going to require training and practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, a point that we've both made several times before, this idea of loving the Lord with all your mind, mm-hmm. where um, this isn't just about feelings. Like There's an intellectual aspect to it and, and, and an aspect of it that, again, requires discipline and it requires practice and it requires um, maybe application and then... Um, a considering of that application and maybe like some lessons learned for the next time that you have to do that said thing let's yeah. say
0: okay um <clears throat> so a lot of people just simply aren't up to your job that's fair the overwhelming majority of people aren't even people who might have the ability to gain your skill set for a number of reasons may never get to that point even if they happen to join the military.
1: Yeah. I You know, there's a time where I thought maybe this is just like the, the humility I've been given as a growing up in the church or whatever. Like I, I th- I've always thought like people are capable of doing my job. It's just that they choose not to. I've been doing it long enough that there are some people that just are not fit for the work that I do. Um, but then I would also say there are people that certainly have the capacity to do my job uh, where they maybe, um, put in a situation where they didn't have a choice, you know? Cause I mean, yeah. we, we see that in, 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 wars past where, you know, I mean, to your point, like the national guard soldier or something like that. Um, uh, so I'm reminded of uh, the 29th infantry division that assaulted Omaha beach. That was a national mm-hmm. guard unit. Yeah. You know, that's, if you've seen the si- insignia of them, it looks like a yin and yang. It's blue and silver. Yep. Uh, the reason it's blue and silver cause that's the, um, it's blue and gray. Right, so it's a unit that, when at its founding, was a mixture of soldiers from the north and the south.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that.
1: So this is a National Guard unit that ended up being on the first wave of the assault at mm-hmm. Omaha Beach, right? And you had school teachers and things like that yeah. that you know would not have otherwise probably been on the you know front line of a major assault, but when called to you know put in a situation where they had to, like they did it. However, yes, to your
0: point, right, um or even if you go with with the infantry mm-hmm. um you know obviously not the same the same level, but yeah a lot of people just would not be able to make the decisions necessary to yeah. be effective in the in the infantry, yeah now in our in our country uh, thankfully we we have people who who volunteer mm-hmm. for those positions i th- I think that's a that's a really good thing. I mean, that there also might be something beneficial about some sort of compulsory uh, military or civil service or something. But that, that's that's not really the point exactly. The point is more that people don't have to, to be what you are. Mm-hmm. People don't have to to join the military. They don't have to be a part of the defense of our, of our nation. However, when somebody does make that choice, they've got to do it well. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not simply it's not simply a, a matter of, of personal honor, it's a matter of potentially life and death for that person and for the people or for the people that, that that he's associated with
1: well and, and this is where i mean I've, I've said this several times the The older I get and the more mature I get, the more I realize that as unique as any one job can be a lot of job most jobs have a lot of things in common, and I think one of them would be. You know, like let's look at law enforcement right now. They're under the microscope. Nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, yeah. I I mean, and I I think there's 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 plenty of professions out there where there there are real consequences to it if people aren't uh, doing the job to their to their full potential, or maybe their full potential isn't good enough. You know, I I don't know
0: like. So I say that to say this, nobody has to choose. Nobody's being forced in our nation to choose to join the military. But once you make that choice, you know, the choices that you make after that really matter. Oh, yeah. And it's it's not just a personal thing anymore. Mm -hmm. I think you can say the same for the church. Yeah. You know, we have freedom of religion in our our nation, and I for now, we have freedom of religion in our nation, mm-hmm. and I, I think that that's a good thing. Nobody is being forced to believe in Jesus. Nobody's being forced to choose to have faith in him. They can choose to have faith in other things. Yeah. Flip over to Revelation 3, and then uh, if we have time, we can come back to Second Corinthians 10. Okay, if you could uh, read verses 1 through 6, and then I'm I'm going to read a little bit later in the chapter.
1: To the angel of the church of Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. And remember, therefore, what you have received and heard Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches.
0: So he who overcomes, mm-hmm. you know that that really rings a, a bell with what we were reading in Second Corinthians. Yeah, <clears throat> because in Second Corinthians, it's talking about <clears throat> tearing
1: down strongholds.
0: Tearing down strongholds. I mean, if if you're if you've got an offensive mission against a stronghold. The the point is, you've got to overcome. Right. You know, you've got this objective in front of you, mm-hmm. this dangerous thing, this potentially deadly thing, and your job is to neutralize it. Yeah. Well, it, it, this is the, the, the refrain to all of the seven letters to the churches in the first three chapters of Revelation. Yeah. To, to him who overcomes, I will give this, I will give that, I will give... And it usually has something to do with either the promise of resurrection... Or something about the uh, the life that you have in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Like here, it it, it says, uh, it, it's really sort of a little bit of both. He he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before His angels. Yeah
1: you know it's funny because mine says the one who is victorious and and to your point again it's you know later on the one who's victorious keep going the one who's victorious which victory like like winning oh so there's a side that's gonna win yeah you know I mean I guess I'm reminded of the whole uh not being lukewarm you know being hot or cold right that's actually
0: what I'm about to read okay (laughs) (laughs) okay so this is uh the, the last church Laodicea it's verses uh, fourteen through the end of the chapter. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write: These things says the Amen, the faithful and true, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I could wi- I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth, because you say. I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hmm. You know, with the example of Christ is that it's possible for victory to actually entail death. Yeah. But then it so by in dying for for the sake of righteousness, that is a victory, and and the reward is actually more life, just not right then. Mm-hmm. It's 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 resurrection, and so I, I think that the, the the early Christians understood that overcoming might actually mean losing temporarily. Right. Of course, you you get that. I I think that because that's a a true pattern, I mean, it's a truth. Uh, It's a pattern that that resonates not simply in the scriptures, but also in any stories that that happen to be good. Mm -hmm. Um, You have it in uh, Lord of the Rings. You have it in Star Wars. You know, Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan Kenobi saying, you know, if you you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Mm Mm-hmm. but yeah, this this idea of over overcoming goes right along with the idea of strongholds. But but let's look specifically at that final church at Laodicea. Does anything about that seem, I don't know, current?
1: This idea of neither hot nor cold.
0: Yeah. I don't
1: know if this is where you're going with this, but I'll I'll say some things that's been say working. some things that's been working pretty well. Yeah. So. So there's this this uh, creed that we have to know as non-commissioned officers. It's the creed of the non-commissioned officer. And the second stanza starts off like this. Competence is my watchword. My two basic responsibilities will all be, always be uppermost in my mind, the accomplishment of my mission, and the welfare of my soldiers. So everything we do as leaders in the military, that's the balance. We need to accomplish the mission, but we also have to take care of our soldiers because, you know, you have to have a healthy force in order to accomplish the mission, right? Mm-hmm. And we're constantly assessing risk is it what are the risks that we're taking to do this mission how do we mitigate those risks to minimize loss of life the problem is is losing any lives is not acceptable right now uh and so like we were like like we're uh we, we are, we're witnessing the paralysis of analysis, I feel like in some okay. some recent world world events and like uh, my commander and I were talking about this the other day. It's like there's again, it seems as though there's no mission in which if, if there's a mission where loss of life is not acceptable, then then don't send me there, right? Because the worst thing you could do is make somebody go die for a cause that isn't worthwhile. But mm-hmm. if there's a cause that is worth dying for, there are people that are willing to put their lives on the line to die for said cause, and and you know it's like that whole cliche like it's better to uh, die for something than live for nothing, you know. Yeah. And so, like when we can't make a decision, when we can't pick a side, like it's undecisive, and 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 uh, it, I mean it's just it's worthless, you know. It it man, you know, what did Patton say? But it, it's this idea of. Like, making the wrong decision is better than making no decision at all, you know? Mm-hmm. I, think, I think we're
0: seeing that. Right. We're seeing that play out in, in a pretty dramatically bloody fashion.
1: Right. And, and again, I mean, I'll just come out and say it. Like, if there's one thing that the people I work with are willing to die for, it's to save other Americans' lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. Here I am, send me, you know, like make a decision, like be bold, be strong and courageous, you know, Mm -hmm. pick a side. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people out there saying similar things on the Internet. I don't know. I feel like it's a
0: popular sentiment Hmm.
1: in the rank and file, at least.
0: Yeah. Again, I
1: don't know if that's what you're looking for.
0: Well, I, I was I was thinking more more about the church in particular, but but I think that w- the what you said, I don't know, I guess about current current situations. Mm-hmm. I think that, that that still applies. I think that that's a good mm-hmm. metaphor. There's a, <clears throat> I, I don't want to get too deep into this, but one of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien's friends was a fellow named Owen Barfield, mm-hmm. and he so he was one of the uh, the Inklings. And he wrote a lot of books that a lot of people don't really know about that are are really interesting and, and some of which are, are kind of bizarre. Mm-hmm. He's got this one book called Unancestral Voice, which I didn't even know that that was a word. I think he made it up. So you have ancestral, which is mm-hmm. common enough, and he tacked on the un prefix, so yeah. unancestral voice. And so the idea of the unancestral voice is that which is, I guess, other than. I guess it's something that enters your consciousness that is not accountable by sheer instinct or the um, the accumulation of human knowledge and wisdom that's passed down to us, you know, ancestrally. Mm-hmm. So you know we have those two aspects, but there's there's this other way of knowing that can occur, and he calls it the unancestral voice, and it's. This is not nonfiction. I mean, th- this is a—it's a story, mm-hmm. but it's kind of maybe you could say allegorical or or symbolic. It's not allegorical; it's more symbolic. But the unancestral voice—it turns out is essentially an angel, mm-hmm. Be- because obviously the angel—you know—something s- uh, s- sent from the Lord, like an entity, a supernatural entity sent from the Lord with a message. That's that's a that's a, m- a way of knowing that's different than what we're used to. Mm-hmm. So, it, so in this, he's he's trying that the main character is trying to figure out his day and age, right? Which was the '60s, or maybe late late '50s, early '60s. You know, there's starting to be maybe some hippie types, mm-hmm. and kids have gone from from being kids. I mean, like teenagers, college kids have gone from being sort of what they had been for a long, long time mm-hmm. into being people that were in a lot of trouble, yeah, causing a lot of trouble. Um, the sex, drugs, rock and roll thing, yeah, and tearing stuff up, and and maybe rioting here and there, mm-hmm. and so he's trying to understand that he's he's trying to understand it from a spiritual perspective, but he's just kind of hitting walls, yeah, and so this angel shows up to give him some insight. Mm-hmm. Again, this is not this is not a uh, an actual nonfictional account, to the best of my knowledge, but the angel explains to him that those kids. Are the age within the age? Mm-hmm. So if you think of human consciousness as going through various phases, like sort of like maybe you could say each age or era or or, or epoch sort of of human society has ways of thinking that are typical <coughs> to that age. Right. You you might say that um, when we when we hit the Enlightenment period, like there was a change in human consciousness. Uh-huh. You know because. There was there was this the the concept of the scientific method Mm -hmm. was was taking a hold and starting to take the take people's thoughts in a particular direction that they hadn't gone previously. Right. Okay. So he's saying that those those rioting kids were the age within the age, Mm -hmm. and so that that's why they stood out so much. Okay. So I I say that to say this like like I'm trying to think about. Who is the age within our age? Like what group I guess you could say is endemic or or archetypal Mm -hmm. of the entire age that we're living in. Yeah. Because it it seems like Laodicea.
1: Yeah. It's very, very noncommittal.
0: Right. Middle of the road. Right, neither hot nor cold. And 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 look at the other the other explan or uh, the other description. It says i I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and need nothing mm-hmm. and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked yeah it's like well how how could you how could you be wretched miserable poor poor blind and naked and and like in reality that's what you are how could you possibly not know it I don't know we got a bunch of virtual reality mm-hmm mm-hmm. There's even been this thing, I don't know maybe it's in beta testing or something with Facebook where they're like it like turns people into cartoons, like you can have a meeting where like your avatar is the one speaking your words mm-hmm. and you're in like this it, it's it's a cartoon, yeah, you become the cartoon hmm so you could be it it's kind you know like the bitmoji thing, yeah how how people. You know they they make their bitmojis, and this is supposed to be this this, is that. this this represent this. Okay, this is who I am. Like I can personalize it. I can yeah. You know this that and the other. So frequently, it looks nothing like the person. Yeah. At all. It's but, a, but it's also a caricature of themselves. Yeah, it, it's a caricature. But really, everyone looks like everyone else. Yeah. It, it, there's actually this enormous loss of diversity and thus personality, or maybe personality and thus mm-hmm. diversity. And anyway, I, I'm not saying that, that those things in and of themselves are necessarily desperately immoral, but they seem to be signs of the times. Yeah, It's like this This is where we are. It seems like, and, and, and the church is not immune from all this. Yeah, And I think it's the, maybe you could say that it's the church that's really <laughs> lukewarm because it's the church that really wants to just toe the line
1: well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing is you have conversations with people. I mean, in and outside of the church, but it is very much this. Oh, I don't want to put labels on things, and you know, different strokes for different folks, and uh, I mean, we, man, I've preached a sermon on this. This idea of well, you know, the Lord says don't judge, which is it's not what he says. But you know, and it's it, again, it's 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 really it's really one of those things where it's like again, pick a side. Mm-hmm. There's no,
0: there's no, there's no fence straddling. Yeah, you know, I don't know how much I want to say about this, but sometimes there are bad guys that seem like they have, like actual, like world stage bad guys who maybe have something going for them better than like the fence straddler. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's kind of like the the, the hot or cold thing. Well,
1: I mean if you look at this situation in Afghanistan, the the, the the Taliban is being extremely transparent on where they stand on things, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, as, as somebody who's adamantly opposed to that ideology, it's rather refreshing, though, you know? Like, at least we know how they feel, you know? Sure. Versus the rest of the, you know, other parties involved, where it's, we are...
0: Literally arguing semantics over the definition. And, and and here's why, well, the, because there are powers that be, there are principalities in power, principalities in power is not simply in our country, but around the world, who do have this way of speaking, let's say like a dragon, mm-hmm. it, total, you, you know, if you think about like like the like reptile, you know, sort of l- like a tail that can just sort of like like dart. Any which yeah. any which way, okay. So it's like they want to leave as many options open as possible. Yeah. But all of those options are going to be predicated on whatever ends up increasing uh, power and wealth. Yeah. For themselves and whatever interests they happen to be figureheads for. Yeah. And so the so these yeah these things are are predicated on 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 wealth and power rather than on righteousness
1: you know what i'm reminded of is uh i mean and to a certain degree maybe this 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 fight continues but when you think about the cold war and our dealings with the communists for years we had presidents come and go and there was a lot of this hemming and hawing and you know uh i guess my point is this is when we finally saw the end of that that conflict at least as as it was in that time it's when reagan came into the office and he was the first president to take a moral stand on the issue and so i guess my point is sometimes like like again we just need somebody to say no this is wrong we -hmm. are not for this we are against this right so you know line in the sand you're either over here you're over there pick a side
0: Mm -hmm. you know yeah um and so so taking
1: it, all, oh sorry go ahead. I guess and and I mean I guess that 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 holds true within the church. I mean man not that we don't need to extend grace and and find ways to restore people. Um although there there I'm sure is <laughs> certainly there's there's a place for, you know, I don't know excommunicating or hey like, you know, this isn't going to (laughs) work maybe you need to find somewhere else to worship i don't don't know how how, how, what that would look like today um but at the same time i mean i I don't know i feel like generally speaking though if you're you're kind of you're just clear on like these are these are the things that we believe in what we expect like people can
0: handle that generally i think i don't know well i think that we're living in a time when when that's I think that we're living in the time of Laodicea
1: mm-hmm.
0: where, yeah, the, the, there are going to be people like that, but, I mean, people who, who, who do try to, I don't know, you might say walk the straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. Um, But the, I don't know, I think that this really does indicate that, I mean, without going too much into eschatology, that a time is coming and I would say is now here when what the church is really known for is is this, yeah. this situation. Mm-hmm. But it's not hopeless because we still have the promise for the one who overcomes. Yeah, you know, and, and part of that is I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. So I think that a lot of times people just don't want to take the time to actually see what's really happening. Yeah. They don't want to open their ears to hear what's really being said. And they, I mean, it's like, you know, a soldier has to be trained. A soldier has to expend enormous amounts of effort and practice and training and learning to be prepared for the battle Mm -hmm. that, that, that may come. So our weapons... For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So like that's not lukewarm. Yeah. That's That's hot. And so I would say that being lukewarm is wanting to call yourself a Christian... But really, not being interested in thinking about the society in which you live, or thinking about your own actions, or thinking about your complicity with the patterns of the world, as opposed to—I mean, think about the effort that it takes to to recognize the patterns of the world and to consciously reject them. Yeah, a lot of people like that's just not what they signed up for.
1: Yeah, hold on, I, you got me thinking of something here. Yeah,
0: I'm trying to find.
1: What i was doing with the kids sunday which is when the spies were sent into canaan
0: okay yeah that's that's numbers yeah numbers what
1: you know i it's so as i'm turning here maybe i can was it before or
0: after balaam i don't remember
1: uh, so, i'd say
0: it's before probably miriam poses moses Supplementary offerings I'm going backwards from 22. Yeah.
1: So I guess here, here, here's what I'm thinking about this though. You know, I think the part of the problem too is is like, you can also almost be a Laodicea. and maybe this is what he's saying. You can be a Laodicea without even realizing it. You know, because oh you, sure, because like, again, to your point about training, like if you haven't been trained to look for the things you need to look for, um, I mean you just you, you just you don't you don't know what you don't know, right? And so, mm-hmm. oh come on, where is it? A 13 company. is
0: it 13 yeah is 13
1: okay
0: so yeah you you don't know what you don't know yeah. and and honestly like that's why I think it's important that we have these conversations and I guess kind of an invite other people into it because th- this this is what Christians need to hear mm-hmm. this is what I mean it's what I need to hear it's what you need to hear and and I hope that this is something that, that more Christian people can can say like they, they can open their eyes like it says in Revelation yeah. three. O- open their eyes, and and recognize that things are not what they thought. Things are in our country are not the way that they were when you were growing up. Right. Not that everything was was right and good and perfect. Far from it. But there has been a change. Yeah. And it's not been a change for the sake of righteousness. Mm-hmm. We have an inversion that's occurring that we need to be aware of. So that we not simply, not simply so that we can counteract it, but just so we don't get swept right. along in just the, the 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 rush of stuff. Right.
1: So I'll tell you. Here, here's what we read Sunday. We were reading through. You know, as before we got into the Book of Joshua, I was trying to tell the kids like, here's where Joshua kind of comes on the scene. And so Moses sends a bunch of spies into Canaan. And so I just want to read this part real quick. Yeah. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and up into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? Oh, and mine says strongholds. Oh, nice. Yeah. How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some fruit from the land. And so I was asking the kids, I'm like, what do you guys think about that? Like, what does that mean? Go out through it, see if what the people are like. Are the people strong or weak? Few or many? And I was telling them, like, what's the difference between strong and many? And they're like, like, nothing, you know? And like, as we're reading through this, a lot of it were like, well, I'm like, so what are they going there for? It's like, well, just to see if it's nice, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I said, and I was telling them, like, no, this is a reconnaissance mission for what's well, yeah. well, about to be an invading <clears throat> army, right? That's why they're called spies. Exactly. And so this idea of, Stronger, weak; fewer, many. Like we would call that composition, disposition, and strength. Mm-hmm. So, what are the forces composed of, right? And I was telling them, like, are they, are we going up against farmers? I, I was like, what would be the indicator that this is a strong group of people? And you know, and, and again, it's just these are high school kids. And I was like, yeah. And so I had to kind of walk them, uh, walk them down the trail of weapons like are there weapons like are yeah. we are we peering over the ro- are we peering over the rock i started to use binoculars but they didn't have those right and do i see people farming or do i see people tra- soldiers training right right and so so there's things like that like the 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 significance of the land right so what kind of terrain am i dealing with am i crossing bodies of water to get to my enemy am i having to climb mountains to get up to my enemy because even today having the high ground is an advantage yeah. right <clears throat> And then the, even, like, with the fertility, we're talking about an army on a move. You know, it's funny. I'm sitting in a classroom where we have the chil- children of farmers, and it's like, what is this army not doing? Again. Cricket. Cricket. Yeah, right, it's like farming. They're not farming. How, how are they going to get food? It has to already be there, right? Like, there's no MREs, right? And so I guess my point is this is, like, and this is why I guess it's it's important to have a body composed of many parts so we can get these insights, you know? And and so like, what does that look like today? It might be something like, I don't know. You let your kid watch the Disney channel. Yeah. What's the matter with that? I don't know. I just, a lot of those shows that I, when I, when I see them, all the parents are idiots and their kids talk to them like they're better than they are. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. I mean, it might explain some things, right? Like, but we have to think like that. We do.
0: like, but I mean but which, if you, which, if which you is, don't
1: think to think like that you're not going to think like that and that's like this is the I think maybe the training that we're talking about where we can right. develop one another let's say.
0: It 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 just uh, man I, I'm so thankful for my parents that uh, they're probably uh, they're going to probably listen to this at some point. So mom and dad thanks again. Yeah. I'm sorry that I didn't appreciate it a whole lot sometimes when I was a kid and stupid. <laughs> but because of them, it's the most normal thing for me in the world to recognize oh. that a timer means that our time is up. <laughs> well, sorry, Mom and Dad. I'll have to talk about you next week. No, anyway. Um, it's the most mo- normal thing in the world to recognize that there's a difference between God's way and the way of the world. Yeah. There's a difference between the spirit and the flesh. That's yeah. why we have two different words for those for those things. It's why they're juxtaposed in the scriptures. It's like, well, here's this one and here's this other and it's different I mean it's like one of these things is not like the other you know on Sesame Street Mm -hmm. but it man I don't understand why that's why that's so why I don't hear more Christians talking along those lines like having conversations about the contrast that they see between the life talked about in the scriptures and what's viewed as normal by the world
1: yeah well, and it's interesting, cause yours mine said uh in the, the passage in uh about Laodicea I think mine was saying or no it was second corinthians mine was saying of the the weapons of the world you're saying was saying the flesh i think right
0: let yes can
1: we can we go back over that real quick yeah, yeah, I know we gotta close this up we yeah
0: mine says the the uh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal yeah. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And in verse 3, we, uh, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh.
1: Right. So mine says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. And so I guess what I'm, I'm thinking of here then is we don't tend to maybe correlate those two, the flesh and the world. I mean, I guess we do. But again, we think about that idea being in the world, not of the world. We've discussed that before. Right. Where that's not like that's not a verse somewhere. Those are concepts that we've put together, and so maybe maybe we need to think of it that way. Like, you we have to we have to live with flesh, but not according to the flesh. And so maybe maybe if those things are starting, the lines are blurring between those. Like we need to you need to stop and reassess what's going on, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which that's been that's been God's word since Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we have to end it there. It goes back to Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> Cause we, I mean, isn't that what God told Adam and Eve? I mean, wasn't it Eve's belly that she was listening to? Yeah. Like, and yeah, I mean, it it looked like it was good for food, and like it would make me smart, and like I'd be like God. So yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, I didn't think that. Yeah. Well, you should have. You didn't think. Maybe Adam did and he was lazy. So, I mean, he should have crushed the serpent's head. Yeah. Cuz he he had a, he had dominion over the animals. Yeah. That's what he should have done. Mhm. But that's, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> what Adam should have done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. You want to pray us out? Okay.
1: Our only Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this time to sp- to come together and to spend time in your Word, God, and we ask that you uh, be with us as we navigate the world and 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 uh, come against strongholds or or find ourselves in them and help us to um, just to have a better understanding of of the divine weapons that that we have available to us and and to uh, just to 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 uh, take the time to maybe. Acquire the training that we need to, to properly negotiate the situations that, that we're encountering in the world today, God. We pray that you help us to be decisive, to be people of action, to to not be lukewarm, but to be on fire for you. And to just uh, pick a side, pick the side that that is, is God's side. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice on the cross on our sins. We pray that you help us be more like him. In his name mm-hmm. we pray. Amen.
0: Amen.